Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. It's so good to see all of you. It has been really fun to talk about the Ten Commandments this summer and learn more about how we can actually learn to apply these things today and what that looks like. And what we've learned is that it's more than just kind of a random set of rules. It's actually about God's heart for how we relate to him and we relate to one another. And what we've seen is that Jesus is asking us to look at all of these commandments through the lens of love. And this week, we are going to look at the sixth commandment, which says, do not murder. Finally, we have arrived at one that seems pretty straightforward. I'm confident. I'm not disobeying this one. I'm pretty good. But this, like many of the other commandments, we've discovered there's, there's more than meets the eye with all of these, that God has a little bit more of this, Uh, than this simplistic understanding of this. And in Matthew 5, Jesus actually is teaching when he reminds people about this specific commandment. It says this in Matthew 5, 21 through 22. It says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Well, that's a little bit different understanding. That's That's a whole different perspective on this commandment, right? All of us can relate to to places where we've been frustrated and angry with someone. You know, in my own life, this is a place that I've had to to walk through issues of of dealing with places of anger as well. And I want to tell you a little story. So, uh, you know, over the last few years, it's been a lot of fun to watch my two sons uh, begin to grow up and play organized sports. And there's a lot of pride in that. And there's also a lot of nostalgia as it brings back memories of my own time playing sports. And especially as I watch my second son, Tate, play, because he plays very similar both physically and emotionally to the way that I played. Now, I am usually someone who's very calm, usually slow to anger. But sports, they had a way of bringing up some of those underlying emotions that happened in there when the competitive spirit got out. And, yeah, unfortunately, too much. Come on, someone. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story of how this didn't go so well for me. So this is a story long after my days playing organized sports and basketball, especially in high school and college. And I'm trying to keep the dream alive, so I'm playing in some of these rec leagues around town. And one particular uh, memory came to mind, especially as I was thinking about this sermon, of a night that this didn't go well for me, specifically because of anger. Now, this is a, it's a game that didn't really matter. It's the middle of the week in a, in a middle of the season in a game nobody remembers, and it was a long time ago, far, almost embarrassingly long time ago, that this happened. So this game we're playing, you know, it, it doesn't matter, but I'm in it, so my emotions are in it, right? That doesn't, it doesn't matter that the game doesn't matter because I'm in it, my emotions are in it. Game's tight, it's getting physical, the refs are bad, but we always thought they were bad. Most importantly, though, there's this little point guard on the other team. He just running his mouth the whole time, taunting, yelling. And this isn't completely uncommon, but this, he was on another level, like just under my skin, like, and I can feel that anger just simmering under the surface. Well, you know, towards the end of the game, there's this point where I'm, I get on the ground after a loose ball, and I'm trying to get back up, and I get pushed down to the ground. I'm like, what in the world? I'm, I, I try to get back up, and I literally get shoved back down on the ground, and I realize it's this belligerent little point guard behind me, 
and he's pushing me to the ground. And I, oh, the anger that was simmering was no longer simmering. It was out. I literally, I stood up, I grabbed his legs and I dropped him to the ground, just flat on the ground. And I will never forget, it is literally by God's grace alone that's all that happened because I looked down and he's laughing because he knew he got under, under my skin. He got to me. And of course, I played like that the rest of the game. The anger's trying to control me. It's bad. I, I walked off the court. I'm just, I'm just angry. I'm seething. I walked. I, I stood outside the gym, contemplating in my head, I want to wait because I just want to deck this guy. Like, that's the justice that I want right there. Well, thankfully, I had some, some wise friends and the Holy Spirit pushed me on. So I did nothing else to this guy, to be clear, for any law enforcement that might be here listening today. This is no confession. But how do I view that? in light of what Jesus just said? How do I look at that through this eyes of what Jesus just talked about in anger, right? I certainly didn't leave that day with the lens of love for this guy in my heart, right? It was crashed and broken right here on the ground beside me. It wasn't there. But this, this was such a minor thing, right? Can you see how anger and unforgiveness towards others, it can just so easily pop up in things that even matter as little as this game. In the big scheme of things, it mattered nothing, but my anger towards that other person was still real. So how much more difficult is it for us to keep that, that to, to deal with that anger, those offenses, those hurt, when, when that, the pain and the disrespect of the offenses are so much more serious in our lives? See, anger's a major threat to our, our relationships. It's a major obstacle for how we relate to one another, and we sometimes have to deal with something like that, you know, multiple times a day or a week or, you know, whatever. That's not something that's like, that, that, that is unfamiliar to most of us. See, the Ten Commandments are all about how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. And today, again, God, Jesus is asking us to look at those things through the lens of, of him, of Jesus, and through this new covenant that he gave us through his life and his death and his resurrection. And Jesus tells us there's this brand new commandment, right? We're to love as we have been loved. So how do we interpret all those other commandments in the light of that? Do we, just, do we get to throw out the other 10 commandments and, and just say, oh, we just have to deal with this one commandment of love? Well, that's not actually what Jesus intended. It's not actually what he tells us uh, as he talks about those, those things. Instead, Jesus is a master teacher, and he helps us understand the heart and the purpose behind each of these commandments and how we are to partner with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to live out all the principles that we see in Scripture. And the, these first five commandments that we've looked at so far, right, we've looked at, they speak a lot to the relationship of our heavenly authority and our earthly authority. And now, as we've kind of round the corner, we're on, on number six, it begins to speak about our relationship with one another, with our friends, our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters. And maybe it's, it's helpful to think of the commandments, again, as teaching us first about how we deal with our heavenly parents, our parent, how we deal with our earthly parents, and then how we deal with our siblings, right? Me and you together. How do we deal with those things as we look towards that? See, the commandment's main goal is helping us learn to love both God and then others as well. But before we dive in any further, let's stop and take a moment to pray. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that you're here first, that you're our teacher, and you want to show us your heart behind each of these commandments. So come be our teacher today. Show us what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we can find this sixth commandment in Exodus 20, and, and this is what it simply states. It's real easy. Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. Four words, really simple, right? Pretty straightforward, but Jesus makes it really clear that there's a lot more 
to this commandment than just don't, the action of just not murdering. And as we read earlier, Jesus has a lot more to say about this commandment in Matthew 5. And I want to give you a little context here. So in Matthew 5, in the, in the larger chapter here, Jesus is teaching to a really large crowd of people in what is, it is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this, Jesus is unpacking a lot of these laws and principles, and specifically many of the commandments, and giving us a better perspective on how we're to understand those things today. And he's helping us understand God's bigger purpose behind them. So let's listen. We're going to read a little bit more of Matthew 5. And we'll listen as Jesus opens up the Father's heart behind these very important commandments. Again, we're back in Matthew 5, 21 to 24. It says, you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you can call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if, you present, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. This, this is a challenging passage. Like there's, there's a lot to unpack there that takes it so much further than four little words, you shall not murder, right? See, Clearly, it's, it's about so much more. And, and obviously, Jesus is telling us that murder is wrong, but he's also telling us that anger is, can be equally as wrong. And it's anger and insults and name-calling. All of these are seen as this violation of our fellow image bearers, our fellow man in this passage. And while most of us can say that we're not murderers, all of us have to deal with issues of anger and offense and frustration. See, in Jesus' time, the, the Pharisees, who were like the, the religious leaders uh, of the day that would have served there, they had fallen into this trap that just following the letter of the law was enough to fulfill its purpose. And so they would say, well, we haven't committed murder, therefore, check the box, we haven't, we, we've followed that law and we're good to go. But they would completely ignore what the state of their hearts and minds were as they were walking out those actions of fulfilling it, right? That was the religious culture of Jesus' day, actions that mimicked obedience in their action, but it separated their hearts from actually being submitted to the deeper purpose behind them, right? And this happens to us today. We think nothing of taking offense when, when someone you know, makes us mad. We get angry when we're inconvenienced, right? It's really easy. Right? And we think that's okay because, hey, at least we're not murdering anyone today. But Jesus makes it clear, this is actually wrong. It's harmful thinking when we think about it in that way, right? Because church, it's so easy for us to fall into the same trap as the Pharisees, right? That we do the, the actions of Christianity without checking if our hearts are actually submitted to our Savior. See, God wants so much more than this. Jesus wants our hearts in alignment with our actions. And I want us to capture this here. This is important. I want you to hear that again. Jesus wants our hearts in alignment with our actions. Those two things should not be separated in who that we are. And here's the good news. We've actually been given a brand new heart, right? And we get to learn to live that new reality, and we're going to talk about that more in just a little bit. Right? And these commandments, again, they're given for our good so we could learn to love relating to God and to one another. Again, we're just coming back. Here's the purpose. And the real talk is many of us, myself included, we struggle with anger and offense that affects our relationships. Right? So ask yourself the question today. Where does anger have a grip on you? 
Where is offense that you're holding on to? What's stirring that pot of anger and offense in our lives and our hearts today? Maybe it's an unfair boss. Maybe it's an overbearing parent. Maybe it's that overly political family member. I'm getting too close to home probably now, right? It's the betrayal of a friend, a business rival. Where, where are places where, where betrayal and injustice have happened to you and they're beginning to affect and try to control you? Sometimes it can be worse when it's secondhand offense, when it's done, things done against those you love. I often find it's more difficult for me to forgive and let go when somebody does something against people that I love than it is when somebody does it against me. It can be in all those places. And learning how to let go of these negative emotions is hard because we live in a culture of offense, right? We're offended at those who disagree with us. We're offended at those who don't affirm our choices. We're offended at those who don't believe the same way that we do. It's really easy. It's everywhere. And offense can be one of those things where we can choose to step over it or we can choose to stumble over it. And there's a third option that's even worse. We can actually choose to pick it up and carry it with us. You know, uh, one of our pastors, Daniel Glaive, he gave a great sermon example several years ago on talking about this idea of offense and highlighting this idea that it's a, it's a choice of something we have to take. And he gave the idea of, it's like a waiter holding a tray filled with offenses. And when we feel that, that offense, that waiter is coming to us and he's saying, hey, would you like to take an offense? And we, when we choose to pick it up, when we choose to grab it and we take that, it's highlighting that we've chosen to do something with that offense. We've decided to hold it close. See, it's anger and offense together that lead to unforgiveness. See, we hold unforgiveness in our hearts and that makes relating to one another, fellow image bearers, difficult. Now, for most of us, I hope committing murder is not going to be the issue that you're struggling with. Right? It's just maybe an amen in there just to make sure we're good. But all of us are going to be people who are going to be struggling at some point with anger and offense and hurt that comes into our lives. And we don't just want anger management. I don't want this to be a sermon that's just a self-help sermon. That's not the, the story of Christianity. The story is that, that Jesus actually has more for us. We need help in this. And thankfully, Jesus has a better way. And we're gonna get into that in a little bit too. But I wanna take a, a little bigger picture here to help us understand kind of how this sits, this idea of the, the, the image bearer here, the bigger picture that God has for us. See, the Bible tells us in the story of creation that men and women were made in the image of God. He made us as image bearers as part of the created identity and destiny that he's given us. And so when we talk about, say, taking someone's life, what we're actually talking about is taking the life of someone who actually carries the image of God. And that's really important because God really cares about how we relate to those, especially who carry his image in their life. And I want to tell you the story of the very first murder that's recorded in the Bible here because it really highlights this idea of what happens when anger and offense get control of us. And this is the story of Adam and Eve's two sons, Cain and Abel. Many of you may be familiar, maybe not. Uh, and this is going all the way back to Genesis, again, the very first book in the Bible. We're going to talk about this. And so uh, in this story, Abel, he's a shepherd. He's the first brother. He's a shepherd. And Cain is a farmer. So he's in the fields. And so it comes time for harvest, comes time for them to give their offerings to God. And so uh, Abel comes and he brings his, his gift of uh, of the firstborn of his flock, the firstborn of the sheep. And so he comes uh, and he gives that offering. And Cain, who's a farmer, he says, he comes and he brings the first fruits of his harvest. Uh, and so he brings that. 
Now, God says he was pleased with Abel's offering and he accepts it. But he says he rejects Cain's offering. Now, Cain is really offended and he is angry. It says he's very angry about this. And this is actually where we're gonna pick this up in Genesis 4, verses six through eight. It says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Well, that, that escalated a little quickly. Don't you think? Feels like we need a little more to this story, at least like a Netflix documentary to give us the backstory on the motivations that were happening uh, in all of this. And, and luckily, there are a few passages in the New Testament that speak to this and give us a little bit more information. But I want to look at what, what does this show us? It shows us that murder begins with the heart. Right? It begins with anger, and that anger is rooted in offense. So Cain was offended and angry at God's rejection, but God challenged him, and he encouraged him. He said, no, that it was because his heart was in the wrong place with his offering. So he's speaking again to this alignment of heart and action, and God paints this vivid picture that sin is crouching at the door, ready to pounce, ready to control him. See, our negative anger and negative emotions, they're harmful when we let them get control of us. But God tells him he has a choice, right? Do what's right and be accepted or choose sin. See, his heart, it was in misalignment. He, wasn't, he was allowing those negative emotions of offense and anger that he was feeling uh, to, to boil over into letting it control him. And it's in this place of control, letting those things control him. It, it's putting it in authority over you. That's the sin. That's when he begins to step into that place of like, okay, we can all feel angry, but when we begin to let those things control us, that's when God says, now we've got a problem. Anything that comes between us and God is a problem. And God makes it clear, right? It, it, anger alone is not the issue. It's when it's anger is fed, when it's indulged, when it's cultivated into negative action. And God made it clear Cain had a choice, but Cain chose poorly. And it led to the murder of his brother. See, when sin came into the world, it broke that template of our imaging identity with God. Right? It caused a brokenness in our ability to fully image who God was. Sin messed us up, and so anger and offense and, and frustration, all of those, they kind of became the norm for our human experience. See, the gospel and the good news is that Jesus, in his beautiful love for us, came. He came to die for us. He came to sacrifice who he was. And in that, we can now be reborn in the new identity that he has paid for in his life, death, and resurrection. So Jesus gives his life so that we can have this new identity to restore the, identity, the created identity that we were given all the way back here in the beginning so that now we can truly be the image bearers we were meant to be in the beginning. And he paid dearly for this so he cares deeply about how we relate to one another. And under this new covenant, we have this new heart, a heart that is able to overcome and forgive because, right, Jesus wants us, our hearts, to be in alignment with our actions. So we believe and we receive this free gift of his righteousness. And we say righteousness just means that to be in right standing, in right place and relationship with God. And we can't live out that new identity without help, right? This isn't us now mustering it up. We've, that new identity isn't paid for. Then we muster up the energy to do it. 
Jesus actually, when he, when he, before he left, he said, when I go back to heaven, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's here to help us live this out. So we wanna be a people who are filled with what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love, and joy, and peace, and kindness, and self-control. This is really important, that idea that, that self-control, hear that. Self-control is considered a gift of the Spirit. It's not just something we have to muster up our own. God actually says, no, the Holy Spirit's actually gonna come in. And with him, you'll be able to control yourself. This is a really, this is a really helpful idea to understand as we do this. So the greatest command God gives us, right, is to love one another. So we have to view everyone else through this commandment and lens of love. And what we cultivate in our hearts comes out in fruit. So when we cultivate love, right, we have good fruit in our lives. So if anger and offense are the issue we're dealing with, what's the antidote, right? How do we, how do we get past this? How can we embrace this, this commandment and live wholeheartedly and, and, and in line with God's good plan for relating to one another? Here's, here's the key. We have to learn today the lesson of forgiveness. And I want to go back again to Matthew 5. We're going to just go back in. What does Jesus say about this? This is the last two verses that we've read already. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says this. If you, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. See, forgiveness is so vitally important to how we live this out. Right? It's even saying we're supposed to stop what we're doing in, our, in, in worship. So today, it's, it's stop what you're doing today in the actions of following him and get our hearts right. Find that place of reconciliation and forgiveness that needs to be had so that we can be in full alignment with what God has for us. Right? Jesus says we've been forgiven an unforgivable debt and now we get to live in a whole brand new reality. It means we don't have to be in, enslaved and under the control of sin. We get to be who God's created us to be a forgiven people who freely forgive. That's who we get to be. And this forgiveness is the key to helping us overcome those issues of anger. And so if it's offense that precedes anger, then it is forgiveness that precedes love. If it's offense that precedes anger, then it's forgiveness that precedes love. So Jesus, his commandments are all about getting our hearts right, our offerings, our actions that we do together as we worship, as we give of who we are to God, getting those things in the right place. And when we let go of unforgiveness and we choose instead to extend love, what's happening is we're releasing a poison that seeks to keep us in bondage to the pain, the offense, the hurt, and the trauma that we've experienced. See, God told Cain, sin's lurking at the door, they're ready to control him. Right? We don't want it's when those things begin to control us that we get in trouble. Remember that, that silly story about that, that basketball game, right? This, is, this isn't even recent, and I'm still feeling this. This is after more than a decade. I could still feel those emotions rising up in me as I think about this stupid game. Like, why? It, had, it, it, didn't, it didn't matter at all, but it was because I let this offense and anger kind of fester, right? right? That game had zero impact on any part of my life other than to let these stupid emotions come up in my life. Now, as I begin to better understand this new identity that I have in Jesus, this new heart that I've been given, it became clear to me that this was not okay to hold on to these little things, even if my direct actions uh, didn't reflect that I was doing anything. At least I thought so. 
And a few years ago, I actually had to ask the Holy, for the Holy Spirit's help to bring me healing and begin to let this go. And as I did that, he actually brought up these other places in my life. These other places in my life that like, oh, like you're kind of letting these little things, right? You know, about death by a thousand cuts. Those little things are building up in you. And, and, you, and you need to let them go. Those, those, those things come up whenever that, that memory pops in your head and immediately you feel that, that emotion boiling up in you again that you experienced in that moment. Those are places where it's got a hold on you. And I know that this is, is challenging. And some of you might even ask the question like, well, does it really do any harm if I'm not actually taking any direct action against the people that like have angered me and, and offended me? I, that's a good question. It's actually a question I, I asked myself and I asked I ask God that question. Like, God, why is this so important? Like, what is it, what, what is really happening when those pent up emotions and anger and offenses are kind of building up if I'm not doing anything? And he's like, well, you are doing something with them. You're just not recognizing it. And he began to show me how those things would come out in interactions with my wife when I would be short and angry for reasons that weren't really justified. When I was dealing with my kids and the the anger that I expressed towards them was far overblown to what actually was necessary for the situation. It was in lack of patience with coworkers. It was in all these, these little interactions that were happening. And what I realized that I was never really holding it in. What was really happening was that the people I love the most were actually the ones who were the brunt of those, those pain. Not the people that I was holding it in against. I was unleashing it in ways I didn't even realize. It was almost subconscious. See, when we hold on to negative emotions, we end up har- with harmful fruit in our lives. And too often the harmful fruit comes onto those we love the most. And it's important that we understand this. And I also, I I want to be clear when I talk about forgiveness, I'm not asking you to be a doormat. That's not not what forgiveness is about. We can often get in that place, I don't know how can I forgive them because we expect that in forgiveness, we have to let those people who've hurt us fully into our life. That's not really the case. Forgiveness is about letting go of those things that happened to you trying to control you right now. It's about getting your heart right with who Jesus says that you are. Now, there are cases where you're going to need to go uh, seek some reconciliation in relationship. And sometimes it's about just creating a healthy boundary where maybe you don't have to put yourself back into that place of hurt and, and trauma and abuse. But God wants you to be free from the effects of those things that are trying to control you. Does that make sense? We understand what we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness here? So it's important that, that we understand this. And, and again, we're not asked to do this alone. First of all, God's given us the gift of his helper, the Holy Spirit, right? We can't be perfect in our own power. The other gift that you have today is the people sitting around you today. We get to do this together. We get to be helpers with one another. We have to share wisdom with one another, experience with one another. Jesus tells us to give as freely as we have received. And it's important that we capture this. And the reason this is so important is because if we believe we have to perform in order to receive Jesus' forgiveness then I will believe that others have to perform in order for me to forgive them. That's, that's why this is so important to understand. Freely given to us and freely given away. See, Jesus makes it so clear this commandment on murder is both about the action and the state of our hearts in all of this. Anger and unforgiveness is just a poison that God doesn't want in our life. And this commandment is about keeping our hearts in alignment with God's heart for our fellow image bearers. So when we share his heart, we share his heart for the people 
that are around us, right? And Jesus gave us that brand new heart. He wants our hearts in agreement with him, in alignment with our actions, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to help. So today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify what are the places in your life where offense and anger are trying to to lurk at the door and take control? Where are the places that maybe they have already gotten there? See, freedom comes when we partner with the Holy Spirit to forgive and be set free from the stumbling blocks of anger and offense in our life. See, God has an order, and his order is in our lives is all about freedom. So we put our heavenly authority in the right place, and we put our earthly authority in the right place, and then we put our hearts in the right place to deal with our fellow image bearers here. God has order so we can have freedom. So let's let his love put our hearts in his order. Would you pray with me today as the worship team comes up? Father, we are deeply, deeply grateful today for the gift of your new heart, of your new identity, and deeply thankful for the forgiveness that you offer us so freely. So today, help us be a people who forgive as freely as you have forgiven us. And as we worship today, I ask, would you just highlight, God, what you want to set us free from today, where we want to be free from those things that are trying to control our hearts, our minds, and emotions. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.